Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast with me, your host, Danny Kennedy, and you're listening to episode number 51. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, guys. We've got a massive show today. I'm joined by a guest from the United States who's actually out in Australia at the moment on the Gold Coast. His name is Austin Current. Um, he's a guy that I've looked up to in the fitness industry for a while now. We actually connected for the first time on YouTube, I think it was. Um, and as I mentioned, he's out in Australia, so we've linked up a Skype session. And today we're going to be talking about all things to do with muscle hypertrophy in regards to training which I know is a big topic and very popular one, and also nutrition for fat loss, which is obviously uh, obviously always a winner. So pleasure to have Austin on the show today. He's actually an IFBB pro in the men's physique division. He has a ridiculous physique. He's very knowledgeable when it comes to training and nutrition. So let's get things underway and get into the interview. All right, guys, welcome to the show. Um, Austin, welcome to the show, man. Pleasure to have you on. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to join us today, man. I'm humbled, man. I'm humbled to be on it. Um, I've listened to a few episodes uh, myself, and I'm just I'm happy to be on it. Perfect. And guys, I gave you a quick rundown of kind of um, a bit of info about Austin before and how we kind of got to know each other, I guess, through social media and stuff. But uh, man, do you want to give us give the listeners, sorry, a bit of info about yourself, what you do, um, where you come from, and um, I did mention that you're out in Australia, so maybe even mention a little bit about that as well. Yeah, so um, my name is Austin. I'm 23 years old. Um, I am, I guess we'll start with sort of professional things and maybe we can go a little more personal. So professionally, um, I am a full-time online coach, training and nutrition, consulting or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I'm also an IFBB professional uh, physique athlete. And I turned pro, would be three years ago now, I turned pro when I was 20 um, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm originally from the U S and, uh, like I was telling, like I was telling Danny before we hopped on here, you know, my wife and I are big travelers. So, uh, this is about the 15th country that I've traveled to and the third continent that I've actually lived on. So, um, it's, it's been an awesome ride. It's been an awesome journey. And, you know, I think just to start out here, I think I just want to kind of plug in your guys's ears that, you know, you you don't have to be so zoned in and focused and locked in on on that one goal so much that you miss out on living th- living your life. That's so, awesome. That's awesome, man. Yeah, man. So yeah, that's that's basically me. Um, I have a four year degree um, in exercise science, physiology, um, and sports nutrition, and then I also am a certified strength conditioning specialist um, through the NSCA. Uh, the U.S. I think it's. I don't know if it's just U.S. or international, but so that's my professional. Cool. So guys, he he knows his shit. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> I like uh, to think so. so. So guys, as I mentioned before, I wanted to break today's um, episode up into two sections. Really, the first one we're going to talk about, um, I guess, specifically hyper, uh, muscle hypertrophy, training for muscle hypertrophy, and then the second side of things, we're going to speak about nutrition um, and specifically nutrition for fat loss. So. Austin, I'm just going to run through a few questions here, man, and then we can just elaborate on, on each one. So the first thing I wanted to ask is, do you believe that there's a certain rep range um, that yields the best muscle building results? And if so, what do you think it is? Because there's a lot of, um, I guess, misconception, but also 
there's a lot of just different theories out there about what muscle or what rep range, sorry, you should be lifting in to build muscle, and if there even is a, a special rep range that's going to help you build muscle compared to others. So, what's your thoughts? Yeah, no, I think so. This is I'm going to keep everything super broad. Um, you know, I, I don't like to be the one that just sits here and quotes research articles that I read once and you know came across one day. You know, I, I, I want the, everything to be applicable and um, really have a take home. So I, I really don't think there is this magical rep range by any means. I think you as the individual should train. If you want to be good at a rep range, you should train in that rep range. So if you want to be good from the six to 12 rep range, um, and I think that honestly is probably the what I find to be the best rep range for hypertrophy. Um, I would say train in that rep range the most. Uh, if you want to be good at strength, do do strength reps like one through five. Um, if you want to be good at hypertrophy, you know, work in that rep range six to twelve, maybe fifteen reps, um, and just get good at that. But I would say honestly, the take home, um, you know, there's not a magical rep range that you guys sh- that you guys should be training in particularly. Um, I just think you should spend time where you want to be good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think one of the mistakes I've made when I was first first started out training anyway is that I was really good at that 15 to 20, even up to 30 rep range, um, which I thought was a good thing because I was, you know, feeling the burn and all that type of crap and, and thought that that's what was going to help me get more definition and stuff like that. But there's been a few studies done and I know you not, don't really want to quote studies or whatever, but I just want to kind of get your take on it is... No, I'm, a, I'm absolutely... I love science. I'm, I'm definitely an evidence-based coach. I just... I don't want to just sit here and quote them. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. I want you to, if you have something to bring up, absolutely, man. Awesome. So there's a few things I've read, um, which I 100% agree with in regards to training with a lighter load for higher rep range um, in the hopes of, you know, breaking down the muscle tissue a little bit more, getting more muscle hypertrophy compared to lifting in that 6 to 12 that we spoke about before with a heavier load. Um, what's your take on it? Do you think that, um, that there's a place for higher rep range Um like such, for example, 20 reps and plus? Yeah, and I think, so there's, you know, there's multiple drivers of hypertrophy and um, the mechanical stress part of it um, and metabolic damage part of it, like those those parts of hypertrophy, I think there is merit to really sort of, you know, maybe at the tail end of your workout, sort of move into those rep ranges. Um, if your goal is purely like muscle hypertrophy, I, I don't see it advantageous to work solely in that rep range. Um, one, because I don't think you'll end up placing enough overall load and stimulus on yeah. the muscle um, as you should to kind of spark net new growth. Um, you know, not, not to say that there's not going to be any muscle damage whatsoever, but I, I do think that, you know, the, maybe the muscle damage that you create Maybe, you know, I don't think you're adding enough load and stimulus on top of it yeah. um, to really kind of spark that new adaptation and new growth. So, um, yeah, I and there's also, uh, you know, there's a, st- a study that just came out that I read um, an analysis on today, which I really, really liked. Um, and it kind of I'm always learning and taking what I have. And, you know, my things, my things, I'm huge in execution Um I'm huge in creating, you know, damage to the muscle. And, you know, this study that just came out, um, 
kind of looked at how relevant is muscle damage to hypertrophy in the yeah, big okay. picture. Yeah. And, you know, they, they found that the main drivers were volume um, and frequency. Mm. And, I, you know, it's something that you and I both know, and I think most of your listeners probably know that they hear volume and they, they heard frequency thrown around a lot. Um, and, you know, I think if you can create more muscle damage as that third component, I think you're just creating an awesome recipe for success um, in, in creating muscle growth overall. Definitely. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my take on that. Yeah, and another component of that muscle damage, um, a big buzz, I guess, in the training side of things a few years back was time under tension. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of people were kind of talking about how time under tension was the key to muscle growth, um, not so much overall load, I guess, or overall um, lifting volume. Um, do you do you do much time under tension training, like you know, in regards to spending a, a longer period of time in the in the eccentric phase of a lift for hypertrophy, or do you prefer to to focus on the the amount of weight that you're lifting um, in a certain rep range and just stick to your kind of two to three second eccentric phase? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think and time under tension is is so relative, and it depends kind of which context you're looking at it in. And like you said, stick to the two to three second eccentric, which for most people, right? Like for you and, you know, maybe for you and me, like that's pretty normal eccentric, like yeah. being in full control of that eccentric motion and causing more of that, that muscle damage that we should be causing and um, creating more stability. Um, you know, I, I think two to three seconds for a lot of people is a long time. Yeah. And that's the more I'm sort of, getting myself out there and allowing more feedback on social media to happen as my growth, you know, my social media has grown. Um, I, I'm seeing that a lot of people where we're, where we're assuming people are in that kind of that thought of time and attention is, is, is pretty far off. Um, mm. you know, I, I think that's, I think time and attention is very important. Um, and, I think the more we can fully spend time under tension and create tension on the working muscle, yep. um, the more we can drive that total volume and that total frequency mm. to the muscle. You know, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. they're all connected in that way. And sort of, let me explain that. Um, so we can have volume and we can have frequency at, at which we're hitting each muscle group, right? Um, but if you can't place the volume specifically on the muscle group you're trying to, yeah. then you're not truly maybe equating as much volume on that muscle group as you think you as are. As you think you are, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's where the execution from my end and the time under tension does play a part. And that's being able to just maximize the basically the tension put on the the target muscle the target muscle yeah and um, as you mentioned the execution guys I will put all Austin's um, social media accounts and stuff in the show notes but it's fair to say that your Instagram videos are are blowing up at the moment (laughs) Um, and I'm seeing more and more people start to show them now but guys definitely um, it's worth your time at the end of this episode 
to go to Austin's Instagram and have a look at some of these execution videos that he mentions here in regards to kind of incorrect and correct lifting form and, and actually getting that, that tension, the load on the uh, on the target muscle compared to just going through the motions and doing the movement, which, which as you mentioned, if you're observing a, um, a you know, general population gym, you see a lot of people, what they think are training a muscle group, um, are really not getting that exact load that they, they probably think that they are. Um, so guys, right. definitely yeah. definitely check out those videos after this. Um, you might be surprised. You might have been doing a few exercises wrong uh, your whole lifting career. <laughs> uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about was training splits. So firstly, what's what's been the most effective training split for you? Um, and do you, for someone beginning or just starting out that wants to focus on muscle hypertrophy, what do you recommend for a, a training split? Yeah, I think, and kind of going back to those drivers of hypertrophy, I think, um, you know, speaking in terms that you're working on execution, you're working on getting better at your lifting technique um, and sort of deserving the right to make these judgment calls and um, start playing more with your training splits. Um, I think hitting a muscle group at least, at least two times per week is your best bet. Um, And I think for beginners, I think hitting a muscle group two times per week is great. Um, You know, start around maybe 10 to 12 sets per muscle group per week. So if you hit chest Monday and Wednesday or whatever you, whenever you hit chest, we'll just say you hit it Monday and Wednesday. Um, You know, maybe hit five working sets or six working sets on Monday then hit five or six working sets for chest on Wednesday and then, you know, see how you recover from that, you know, jot it down, note it. Um, did you recover? Did you not recover? Should you stay the same or should you increase? Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of training is just kind of a guessing game. And as long as you take an intelligent approach to setting it up, I think you're already light years ahead of other people. Yeah. And I think Austin mentions a good point there is, when he mentions five to six working sets, guys, especially for someone that's new to the gym, that doesn't mean five to six sets on bench press, then five to six sets on cable flies, then five to six sets on push-ups, no. then five to six sets on decline bench. You don't need to go in and train like Ronnie Coleman and expect to see uh, expect to see <laughs> results, guys. And we've mentioned on the show before, like the, the typical bro split where you're training chest on a Monday and then you don't train it again until the next Monday is really not ideal, especially if you're a natural lifter. Um, so in regards to that volume, like Austin just said, start with your five to six sets per muscle group. So that might be, that could be two to sets, two sets on uh, on dumbbell incline press, and then three to four sets on barbell bench press, and then like you said, monitor um, how you recover, your results, and then go from there, guys. There's no point going in and just smashing yourself um, on Monday and doing chest, and then you're being sore for three days and not training it again until the next week. Hundred percent. Um, the next one I wanted to talk about is com- uh, compound exercises before isolation. Um, I think I think I might know the answer to this already, but um, are you are you a fan of sticking to compounds before isolation, or do you like to throw in any pre-exhaustion type stuff, or, or switch up the order in, at any stage? Yeah, and again, it's context dependent, right? So I think overall, especially you know, we're speaking to the masses here, the general population, um, you know, maybe some beginner competitors. Um, and then maybe some advanced competitors. But at the end of the day, broadly speaking, I think that you should start with the most neurologically taxing 
movements first. Yep. And those tend to be multi-joint compound movements. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the last thing I want to do is completely, you know, especially if I'm, I'm training or have a client that's pretty beginner or maybe intermediate. And the last thing I want to do is completely debilitate them on the leg extension and then take them into the squat rack, you know, um, that's just, that's a recipe for injury. And, you know, as you guys, as you guys all know, the, you know, the least amount of injuries we can, you know, have throughout our career, the better off we are. And I think sort of anecdotally speaking, you know, taking myself, knock on wood, I've suffered very, very, very few injuries, um, if any, in my lifting, in my total four year competing at, you know, three years competing at a pro level, um, you know, in the IFBB. So I think training safe and smart and intelligent, um, is your best bet. And then learn to create stability, learn to execute movements. And and from there, you can really start driving driving intensity, intensity, but yeah, man, yeah, I, 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 really I really think, think that, that starting, starting with the with most the neurologically, neurologically um, taxing, taxing movements first, first so those multi-joint compound movements, are definitely the way to go, way to go all, around. all around. Yeah, definitely. In regards to warming up before a session, whether it be lower body or upper body, I think a lot of people's perception now of warm-up is changing a little bit compared to what it used to be, going from your static stretching and jumping on the treadmill for five minutes and, and feeling warmed up. What? How do you rate... Or, or how highly do you rate a proper warm up before, say, for example, a lower body workout? Yeah, so yeah, a so lower body is huge, huge um, especially, especially because that's where that's most of us suffer our mobility issues, right? Because, right? yeah. you know, we yeah, sit we all sit day all long, day long um, um, and, and our hips and our pelvis and our hip flexors and everything else is just totally screwed by the end of the day, usually when we go train. So I think, you know, having a good warm up. Having maybe, having maybe a five or ten minute walk, walk which, which I personally walk to the gym, gym. Yep. Uh, which, uh, which takes me about five to ten minutes. minutes. So, so that allows, allows me that, that I don't have to don't spend, spend the time on the treadmill when, when I get there. there. I, can I can just walk straight into the gym, gym. Um, and, and go through some, some type of mobility routine. You know, this is where Instagram has gotten really good, and where you know physiotherapists like the mild detox crew. Is amazing, is amazing, and, and they, they, the, work the work that they're, that they're doing, doing is fantastic, and, and their, ability their ability to speak to the masses is, is, incredible. is incredible. So, so you, know, you know, I don't know if you want to link those guys, guys too to go check out just any anyone any practitioner physiotherapist on Myo Detox. I think I'm a good person to follow, and they show a lot of good mobility stuff. Yeah, I will put that in the in the show notes as well. Yeah, 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 and then I talk about. Priming, priming, um, priming, um, priming the working, the working muscles. muscles. So, so this, is this is something I've learned, learned from MI40. So, so um, are you familiar with MI40 gym in, in the US? No, no, I'm not. No. Okay. okay. Um, so MI40 so is, is a very, very elite, elite uh, private, private personal, personal training, training gym, gym in, in Tampa, Tampa, Florida. Florida. And, and I interned there over the last summer. And yeah, works works for those guys, worked underneath those guys, and just was, just was mentored. mentored. And that's and that's, that's why I've learned so so much of my uh, my teachings and kind of what's, what's helped propel, propel my career up to this point. So I owe a huge debt to those guys. But where I learned priming the working muscles from there. So 
you know, you know we, we want, want whatever muscle groups we're going in, let's say we're going in to train chest. A good idea when you first, after you warm up, you know, raise your core body temperature, maybe wake up your central nervous system a little bit. Um, I go into something like a cable fly um, to where I can get that muscle fully shortened, really start feeling out a good contraction. Because uh, the first couple, like, you, you'll notice, especially if you don't do this, like, you'll notice it almost takes you that first exercise, excuse me, that first exercise or those first few sets of the exercise to sort of almost feel it, right? You're like, I'm like on my third set and I'm finally starting feeling my chest work, you know? Let's say you're doing bench press, you know, it takes you three sets to even feel your chest working, sort of wake things up. And that's what I like to do before you even start my first compound movement or my first exercise, you know? I, I like. I, I really like cable like flies. Something, something to get my, you know, my chest, chest shortened and fully contracted, and really just and really spend just time in that contraction, um, and, and, and neurologically, neurologically connect with it, connect with that working muscle, learn again what that feels like, and then you can sort of work around, wake up other muscles, auxiliary muscles, stabilization muscles around it, and that sort of wakes things up right away. And, and I usually, you know, do, you know, do three or four, three or four sets, sets of that, that um, depending on what muscle group I'm hitting, and then just sort of move into my working sets of the first exercise. Yeah, and, and guys, there's a distinct difference between the priming the muscle, which Austin just spoke about, and actually doing an isolation exercise before you do bench press or before you do squats. So when he's doing this cable fly, he's not... You know, about to bust a nut and buddy, and doing uh, <laughs> fail, failure sets of of um, of cable flights. He's just like no, you said, not priming the muscle warming up. Exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, before we move on to some some stuff about nutrition, what would be the biggest lifting mistake? I guess that you see in the gym, or so much not so much lifting, but just training mistake in general that you see in the gym um, that you think could really benefit. Um, majority of people with their training and their results that they're seeing in regards to strength and muscle hypertrophy. Yeah, yeah. and I think and you know my answer to this, this, and it's, it's going to be pretty <laughs> obvious at this point, but man, man execution, execution is huge. Is huge. Um, um, you know, if, if, if you're not, not, if you're just, if you're just moving weight from point A to point, point B, B, and you're, there's not much not thought much going, into, going it, into it, and you're someone that just keeps suffering different injuries or just not growing, I think you need to reevaluate your training. You need to step back to that, to that foundational, foundational principle of just, just simply, simply doing, doing the exercise, exercise correctly. correctly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, you know, there's, yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of people, people that, that I think early on, on, you know, especially, especially as this evidence-based community grows, grows which, is which is so fantastic, fantastic. But, at but at the same, same time, time, it's sort of paralyzing some people, people because uh, I think we're overthinking things at times. And, you know, I have a I bunch, have of, bunch beginner of beginner clients that come to me, they're like, like, well, I heard about I heard this about new DUP method, method, or I heard about all of this, this, and what's this, 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 and this, and it's like, look, dude, look, dude we're starting we're very simple, simple. Yeah. I'm going to teach how to contract your muscles first, we're going mm-hmm. to build a, we're gonna build a solid, solid foundation for the next, could be three, four months, and then you just set yourself up, by doing this preliminary work, you just set yourself up for the rest of your life to have success in your training. But if yeah. you skip, if you skip that, that foundational, foundational phase, phase, who knows where you're going to be? Who knows where you're going to be? You know? Um, so, I so I think execution, execution over, anything. over anything. Yeah. And again, again to the listeners, like we've spoke about this before. Uh, if you're lifting properly, um, you're you're in a 
in a good rep range for whatever whatever um, you're trying to achieve. So, so whether it's strength, hypertrophy, and you're progressing over time, you're going to get results, regardless of whether it's DUP, regardless of whether it's uh, whatever whatever it may be, guys. You're going to get yeah. results if you're progressing over time. So, like Austin just said, it doesn't need to be as complicated as you are probably making it. Um, yeah, just like start simpler and then progress. Exactly, and uh, and it moves me perfectly into nutrition because it is exactly the same thing uh, yeah. when it comes to nutrition. So I want to start off by just getting you to tell us, uh, tell the listeners a bit about your philosophy on nutrition. Yeah, yeah so, so I, I am, am wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly a um, a flexible, flexible dieter. dieter. Um, at, I, guess I guess that's what I label myself as. as. You know, I've been a part of the uh, sort of the IFYM community for for a while now, um, going on about four years, and I'm sort of unorthodox in manner though because I have a different approach, and I think health first. I think health first, performance first, the way my body functions first, and then I think about the whatever whatever, whatever everyone else thinks about. So, um, you know, then the enjoyment enjoyment of the food. So, So, I think, you know, you you hear moderation and balance thrown around a lot, and I think from person to person, it's super relative to, you know, your past history or, you know, whether you suffered from binge eating or, you know, there's a lot of things out there that, you know, are pretty devastating to people's, you know, psyche and eating habits. And, you know, I think just starting super simple, starting with, you know, you know that, that mentality, mentality of one ingredient foods, foods, you know, and, and then progressing. So, so I think the, the basis of your nutrition, nutrition plan, plan or protocol, protocol should, should come, come from whole nutrient dense foods, foods um, things, um, things, things that are going to fuel your, your, your health as a priority, and also, and also fuel, fuel your training, your training um, and help you, you know, grow that muscle or lose that fat you want to you want to lose or gain. And then we need to think about enjoyment. We, yeah, need we need to think about adherence. adherence. We need to we think, think about, about sustainability and consistency. consistency. Yeah, those, those things are things also are massive. massive. Um, I think um, you I agree think with me there as well. Yeah, 100% agree. And as as Austin said, guys, and we've spoke about it before, is it, it should always come down to, to health first. Um, it's just like driving your car. You wouldn't put shit fuel in a car and expect your car to perform well. Um, right, right. It's exactly the same with your body. Um, when it comes to a fat loss phase, how do you structure your calorie intake and your macronutrient breakdown? So let's say, for example, you've been in a calorie surplus or even at maintenance and you decide you want to you want to start to get a bit leaner and drop fat. How do you go about transitioning from a surplus or maintenance into a, a deficit? Yeah, and I, I think it kind of just changes person to person. Um, and, you know, you sort of hear this hear a rule of this uh, 10% deficit, you know, start with 10% up or down, you know, if so if you're going into a fat loss, maybe cut calories by 10%, um, either taking it from, you know, carbs or fats, um, from the macronutrient side of things. So I, I think that's a good rule. I think it's a good place to start. And it's honestly, it's going to matter to how you're progressing from that. So I think that's a good starting point. So you're not taking too much away. Um, at um, once, at once uh, because that could be detrimental, detrimental as well as we start, you know, getting into adaptive thermogenesis, thermogenesis and yeah. making, making it harder for ourselves to lose fat down the road. Um, um, you know, I, so, I so I think that 10% rule, rule is a good one. one. And, and, you know, I, I, I kind of like, like to stick by that, by that just because it makes it easy. 
and it's easy for people to understand and cope with. And at the biggest end of things, as I am a coach and, you know, you're a coach, we're also educators and, you know, our jobs as coaches and educators is to hopefully that client doesn't have to keep coming back to us. Hopefully they can one day just do it on their own. And, you know, that's our ultimate goal. And so I think teaching those, having those sort of foundational markers, you could say, on which to kind of predicate things, decisions on, is, is one of your best bets. So, yes, so transitioning into a fat loss phase from maintenance, I think dropping calories 10%, um, taking those from fats or carbs, wherever you think um, they need to come from in context to you or your training, you know, I, I think that's a great place to start and just see how you're progressing. See how you're progressing. Yeah. Awesome. It's something that I've observed with my online clients, but also with my personal training clients in regards to, in regards to um, protein, um, protein macronutrient is a client that comes to me will either be severely below where they need to be with their protein intake or on the opposite end of the spectrum, way too high. Um, that might be someone that's been lifting for a while and reading every different bodybuilding magazine and, yeah. and article on the internet, and they're way too high, or they're way too low. So, what whereabouts do you sit, whereabouts do you sit in regards to protein um, setting your protein, whether it be fat loss, maintenance, or calorie surplus? Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, think I think too is, is sort of having that range, range, right, to get right, people, people, and, and sort, of, sort of we have we to have take what the literature is saying as well. well. And I, and I, I, I look I at look three different people when I kind of, kind of reference, reference and talk about this, about this that, that I sort of look, sort of look up to for this information, information and a lot of other information. information. So, so um, I know I a know big asset, asset for me is just looking, looking around, around at different guys, guys find, those find those people you trust, you trust and really just, really just sort of, you know, evaluate what they're saying. So my three guys, when I think and talk about this, are Menno Henselman, Eric Helms, I guess there's four, Alan Aragon, and, and I really, 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 really like Ian like McCarthy. McCarthy. Um, I, know I know Ian McCarthy's, McCarthy's not one. He has, he has a massive name in the industry, industry um, yet, but, but he is 100% probably one of the most logical and intelligent people in the industry right now that's giving evidence-based applicable advice that you can actually apply. So those are my four I go to. And, and you know, you know reading, reading all of their, their materials, materials and literatures, and I would I conclude, conclude and, and this is what I use with my clients, clients anywhere from 0.8 to 1.4 grams, grams per pound is where I like to stay. You know, females usually on the lower end. If you're overweight, usually on the lower end. And if you're a male or a very lean individual, you're going to move more towards the higher end of that range. Higher end, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I know flexible dieting doesn't usually isn't usually paired with um, with set meal times or or frequency of meals and stuff like that. But um, are you an advocate for deliberate meal timing or frequency, even when it just comes down to structure of your nutrition, especially when you're in a contest prep or when you're in a fat loss phase? Having some form of structure with meal timing, um, even if it's just before and after workouts. Yeah, yeah. I think. And one, one thing that's, that's you know. You know the literature, the literature says, says what it says, says and, and um, you know, it's you know, given, given plus, plus, you know, it's, it's positives, positives and negatives, negatives to either side of that story. Like, we, like we, know we know we don't need eight meals, meals nine meals a day, day yeah. to, boost to boost our metabolism. Our metabolism. Like, like, we know we that. Know that. Um, but I also, but I, also I don't, don't think, think it's advantageous to just have one meal or two meals in a day either. 
Yeah. Uh, so, so I like, I to, like tell to tell clients, clients and this is and this what is I've what succeeded, succeeded with, with myself, myself anywhere, anywhere from, from three to five, three to five meals, meals throughout the day, day spaced, spaced out, out how you how want you them want to be spaced, spaced out. out. Yeah. Um, um, and, and, you know, you know usually, usually get the majority, get the majority of, your of your carbs pre and post workout. And then the other meals can just be higher protein and fat meals with lower carbs. And, and our moderate, moderate carbs, carbs and, and you know, you know at the end of the, end of the day, day like hitting your, hitting your totals and spacing those totals out throughout the day to just just make sure you're staying consistent and adhering to your your plan or protocol i think is the biggest thing you can do for yourself and for your coach or you know whatever you know i think that's the biggest thing so just, just stick, stick with, with what, what you can. You can. Um, create your routine. routine. I know routine, I know routine is, is an excellent, excellent, an excellent way to create, create that adherence or sustainability. Yeah. Uh, so, so if you're used to four or five meals, meals in a day, day stick with stick it. With it. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. and, and as, as of recent, I, I, haven't I haven't always been a big, big fan of meal plans, and I still don't like you know the sort of the attitude that's brought to meal plans. But I think. As a As whole, a whole if, you have, if you have, you know your know macronutrients you're, you're supposed to eat, eat and, you, and you're, you're fully, fully aware, aware that, that you can intelligently make decisions, decisions on your, on your own, own outside of that meal plan. Outside of that yeah. meal plan, yeah. I, think I think meal plans, plans are fantastic, fantastic because, yes. because, especially, especially if you're moving through a fat loss phase, and I, I'll be the first one to tell you if I'm, if I'm under six weeks out from the show, I have a meal plan because. My life my is life hectic. hectic. I'm very, very scatterbrained, scatterbrained. And, and I forget. I forget I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people, people that literally forget, forget to eat. To eat. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so I know, but it catches up with me at the end of the day if I forget to eat. So I need to make sure I have the structure and consistency, and I need to make sure that I'm getting the right nutrients at each meal to really help me feel best and fuel my training to help facilitate fat loss. You know, over you know, the long, long haul. Yeah, definitely. And stress and cortisol levels play a huge role in fat loss. So, if you know, for example, you aren't you aren't timing meals, or you aren't sticking to a specific meal plan as such, or even any real specific groups of foods that you you tend to um, gravitate to. If what you're spending your time about, what you're spending your time thinking about during the day is what you're going to be having for dinner, or what you're going to be having for your next meal all day, every day, while you're trying to lose fat then chances are your cortisol levels are going to be through the roof. You're going to be stressing. There's got plenty of other things that you're going to be thinking about as well. And it's just, uh, it, it can play so much more of a, a role with not losing fat than I think most people really understand. Yeah, yeah I, 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 completely I completely agree. agree. Um, um, and, and honestly, honestly like, like, I think the more you get to know me as well, the, the, the less stress, stress I can, can complete, you know, have in my, my life, life, the better. better. You know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all about... All about Creating, creating the most stress-free stress approach, approach to any situation, situation. Yeah. Um, any, any type, type you know, any type of event that I do or anything I, I approach, I try to think what is the least amount of stress that I can put on myself um, and, and still complete it. And, and I, I take that same approach to, to um, prep or fat loss phases. So just creating a low-stress environment and putting those the tools, tools and the plans, plans in place, place to make to sure that you not only achieve your goal, goal but you but also, also can stay stress-free, stress-free and yeah. human, human basically exactly exactly right 
right, guys, before we wrap things up, I've got one more question for Austin. Um, so I wanted I wanted you to to tell us what you think are the the most beneficial supplements for just an everyday gym goer who wants to see results, regardless of whether it's fat loss or, or muscle growth. What do you think are the the um, the most beneficial subs? Yeah, so yeah, this so is a this is a good, question. good question. Um, um, I, think I think we, and I think you'll agree with me. I think we place too much emphasis on supplements. And but at the end of the day, I honestly would, I'd probably put a a protein supplement up there because I think as a whole in society, we 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 really struggle with getting protein goals. Yeah. And, and you know the, you know, the, the more, more that, that I even I, I like an experienced dieter, dieter go, go through my day, day and let's say I have to 200, 200 220 grams of protein, protein in a day, day. I have a very, very busy, busy day, day and, and if I don't, I don't have the protein, the protein shakes, shakes maybe to start, start the day and end the day I'll never I'll never hit my protein goal and so I would say probably a protein supplement um, you, know, you know, something, something with a whey and casein blend, blend in it, in it um, are always, are always good. good. Uh, that, you know, you know, research has sh- sh- shown positive things, things for, um, overall, overall effectiveness, effectiveness. Um, yeah. for MPS yeah. and everything yeah. else with the whey and casein together. 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 Um, so, so, you know, I, I, think, I think that's, that's a, big a big one. one. And, and I think creatine is the next, the next one to come up. Um, you know, I don't think enough people utilize creatine. And, and I, I, think I think there's still, there's still a, big a big dogma, dogma around it, and I, I yeah, don't quite I don't understand, understand why. why. Yeah. Uh, yeah I get you know, there's questions other... asking me, like, yeah, should yeah. I be taking it, or is it going to um, you know, have any negative effects? And I'm just like, no. Look, <laughs> at any, any, <laughs> look at any, there's so much research about it now. And it's, I think it's the most, obviously, apart from, from protein, it's the most uh, researched um, supplement, yeah? yeah? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, and so, so I, think I think a good... A good, a good sort of, sort of I, think I think we should stick, stick with, those with those two supplements, supplements just to recommend, recommend to people because um, those, those are good starters. starters. Um, yeah. And, and I, think I think for dosages, dosages protein, protein obviously take as, as needed. needed. Um, if you don't you need don't help with hitting your protein goals, goals getting, getting whey protein, or you know, there's no magic in the protein. You know, I get a lot of questions of, it's because I'm not drinking protein, why I'm not achieving goals, and it's. It's so, it's so context related, related and I honestly, I honestly can't tell you yes or, yes or no. Yeah. Because I don't, because know. I don't know. And yeah. you know, if you're, you're hitting, hitting your protein, protein goals, goals, then no. no. Protein's not gonna help you. Um but if you really struggle day to day with hitting your protein, like yes, get a protein supplement. I don't know about you, but I get the I get the typical what what protein shake should I be having after the gym for making doing muscle or what shake should I be having to to lose fat. Yeah, and yeah, it's just, it's just, just, just drink, drink something, something or, eat, or something. eat something. I mean, I mean that's all I can really tell you. It's that simple. And then creatine. I've seen probably the most easy to prescribe and to stick to thing that I've seen is take five grams most days of week. You know, so take five grams at least five days a week. And, and you're good. You're so good. if you have so two, if you have rest, two days, rest days, just if you if you take creatine, go for it. If you don't, don't stress about, about it. it. So, so yeah. you know if you're yeah, training you're five days, days a week out of seven, seven maybe add it into your, your post workout shake, shake um, uh, after training on those five, five days, days, and just, and just you know call that a win because 
the biggest thing was just consistency with creatine intake. Um, and then just basically, yeah, creatine consistency with your intake. Exactly right, exactly right. All right, all right, guys. Well, I'm gonna to have to wrap things up here, but uh, I just want to say a big thanks for Austin for joining us today. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll do another one at some stage, and hopefully, actually, while you're in Australia, we might do a, a bit of a YouTube collab or something at some stage. But um, yeah, thanks for joining us today, man. Absolutely, Absolutely man. I'm, I'm stoked to stoked be on, to be and, on and we'll definitely have to uh, we'll make that collab happen. Hundred percent, hundred percent, guys. As I mentioned, I'll put all um, Austin's social media links and stuff in the show notes. Um, as well as the Myo Detox one. That, that was, that'll be a good one for you guys to check out as well. Um, if this is your first episode, I hope you've enjoyed it. Please do subscribe if you do like the episodes and check out some of the uh, the previous ones. Um, leave a review if you did like today's episode. And thanks, as always, for, for tuning in. I look forward to talking to you guys again next week. Hope you're having a great day.